I'm Susan Boyson. I'm professor at the Witt School of Governance and author on several books on the ANC, the latest being Dominance and Decline. There is a definite graphic difference between Election Day, Freedom Day 1994 and Freedom Day 2017. It is tangible, this difference. The political culture has changed. The socioeconomics has changed. The government has changed. In 2017, we see, in contrast with 1994, a loss of the optimism. It's always a resignation of people to those ideals of 1994 not having been fulfilled. 1994 was truly an amazing time, an amazing day. It was obviously in the aftermath of that horrid period of apartheid oppression and inequalities being created and fostered. It was, for the progressive ones among us, certainly a day of massive celebration. It was coming to fruition of years of negotiations, of started negotiations, negotiations gone wrong, of being put on track again, and of crazy events like, sad, crazy events like assassinations and Chris Harney going, and then... The people pulling through with the sentiment that it is a better future that has been negotiated, and that prevails, and that was the spirit that one had actually across the board, overwhelmingly across the board on Election Day 1994. And for years after that, we had that people really still believed that the socioeconomic rights in particular that were promised in the South African Constitution, which became far formal and final in 1996, that those, it's just a time before we see that. Now, 2017, all these years later, There is not that serious hope anymore that these rights will become reality. There is a despondency. People do not believe the Constitution is the automatic guarantee that those socioeconomic rights will be fulfilled. We see people becoming confused because political actors play with their minds. Radical economic transformation, we all need to know it is required. But if it comes from people who have been abusing that concept and the realities around it for a long time, then people become confused and people become angry. And they're looking for new solutions and they are propagating for new even for new negotiations, a new pact to come forward. So it is a very dramatic difference in political culture. Lack of optimism is certainly reflected in less youth enthusiasm for participation. But it's also, in some respects, a normalization of youth, young young people generally around the world, go through a youth phase where they exercise less formal political participation. And then as they grow into adulthood, they very often come back and they participate again. So that is one factor. But another is that we do not see amongst the youth really a new generation that they have this 
passionate big leave. Let's celebrate the moment of 1994 again. For the young people, that is automatic now. That is a given in the new political landscape. It's, it's a right that they have. It's not something that they struggle for to get that right to vote. Then they look at what the politics that has been happening around them. They look at the party that has been in power and has not been using that power to the full. And they also get confused by different political messages of what exactly has been wrong, going wrong, in the last period of our democracy. We also see, of course, much more anger amongst the youth. We saw it to some extent in the Fierce Must Fall movement. It is this expression of serious anger and some rejection of the system. And people, also young people, participating in those protests, seeing that protest is often more instrumental, more effective in getting political demands met. And these must fall movement, they were met to some extent, obviously not the whole extent, but they have also seen how other more direct forms of democracy can actually penetrate these barriers of representative democracy much more effectively cut through those barriers, our formal proposals, and perhaps see how it is debated in Parliament, and perhaps see a new policy, and perhaps one day see uh, a new piece of legislation coming forward. I think young people have really seen through those protective barriers that representative institutions have gathered around them and there's a lot of impatience that comes with anger. And we also see, of course, amongst young people, a great degree of urbanization. Urbanization trends was reflected very strongly in last year's municipal government elections. Once people get to cities, they also become more critical and they consider more favorably a possible vote for opposition parties. We've seen that and with the old ANC hegemony, we see unraveling to a large extent also, not only, but also amongst the youth. South Africa is really doing dismally in the fight against crime. We have seen so many statistics and trends being released. Sometimes there are ups, sometimes downs, but largely the societies in which we live are unsafe for all South Africans, for young and old, and most definitely for women, young and old, unsafe even more than for any other group in society. Of course, we know much of crime is related to the need to survive, to poverty and unemployment, and some crime is related to that. But gender-based crimes, definitely not amongst them. And we also know that crime is a big business in South Africa. It's not just the unemployed and the poor who often sometimes have to turn to crime for survival. And that reflects on the whole of society. It is a hugely unsafe society. And we also know that people do not have high levels of trust. Citizens don't have high levels of trust in the police. They see so much corruption. So however many slogans we have around safer societies and together working for that in these celebrations, it is only once police services also come to the party and really contribute immaculate services and services with integrity so that police can be 
seen as figures of trust and authority in society. It is only then that members of society will really take these slogans seriously at all.